from Tallahassee <coughs> in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew when you were there. <laughs> Dance for girls and men, woman. Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody pulled his weight. Ladies and gentlemen, we promised you a great video wrestling podcast, and here you have it. It is Wrestle Chat. Cody and Justin coming at you live again for episode 64. That's the Paul McCartney episode. Will you still love us when we get to the 64th episode? We'll wow. find out today. Um, so it is Wrestle Chat. We are here live talking about AEW and NXT, comparing and contrasting as we are like to do since. The old uh, AEW television debut. Uh, we have scored it every single week. We have it at... Justin has it scored at AEW 18, NXT 11, because he's living in a dream world. I have it at a very realistic <laughs> AEW 25, NXT 4, as I gave it to them uh, last week for a very good show. So I'm hoping for uh, something similar here this week. I guess we're going to find out. It won't take long to figure that out. <laughs> What's, what was the better show? So we have, uh, we got a big show today, we've got AEW and NXT, and we're going to be talking about, hey, a big show, the Big Show Show, uh, Season 1, Episode 7, our review, that's winding down, the episode, the season finale is next week, so I'm going to be sad to see that go, even though that show is a giant turd. It's a big show of a turd. No, that's pretty good, but the last episode, well, we'll get to it. Mr. Zhang, our third man in the chat, welcome. Uh, our producer there, as usual. Thank, always nice to see you. Uh, so, yeah, we are Wrestle Chat. It's just uh, two marks talking about wrestling. We ain't experts. We're just some casual viewers. We have two shows. This show, uh, uh, where we talk about modern-day wrestling, AEW and NXT, that is live right here on Twitch, Thursdays at 9 p.m., but delayed because my... Uh, my hockey championships were last night, so we had to push it back a day. We also have our second show. It is the Territory Tales, where we talk about uh, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling and all the goings-on in the territories in 1981. That is a podcast you can find at anchor.fm forward slash WrestleChat. You can also get the audio of this very podcast there as well. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleChat, and you can join our Facebook group. That's called, I believe, uh, WrestleChat. Uh, what, else, what else do we have to plug? We're here on Twitch. And whatever. Um, that's everything. I notice. I notice. I don't see the link for that anchor uh, podcast down below. I just see for the anchor app. It's, I guess not many people have the anchor app. Maybe that's anchor. Right. It's anchor. It's down below here. Catch our not audio actual... only review territory talk covering the early '80s of Mid Atlantic, Mid South, and world class every Wednesday. Right, but not that. That that's that's the uh, that's the anchor website, not the actual one to the to the show though, right? It goes to the WrestleChat page if you click it. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. As usual, 
He doesn't know what he's talking about. So you can't trust his uh, his score here as AEW. Such a great show. Better than NXT. No, I'm the one that double check. I double check and triple check everything. I don't just jump into things like you. I like to triple check. <laughs> okay, Got to okay. make sure. All right. Let's, let's roll on forward here. We are going to talk about first AEW. Uh, we open this show with... Uh, first, we open my notes, and then we open the show. So hold on here. I go, ah, I got it. Big Show Show Episode 7. Scroll it down. We open with Sabian and Havoc versus Paige and Omega. Massive tag team match to kick off the show as Sabian and Havoc won their number one contendership and going to take on the tag team champions. Who's in the audience watching? It is FTR. Uh, Hangman. So big opening match here. Tag team title match. Always excited to start. Bell rings, and Hangman Page clears both. Uh, Havoc and Sabian off the apron. Big clothesline on Havoc. Omega and Paige hit some tandem chops. Uh, oh, which causes uh, JR to say, sometimes you think Havoc likes to be chopped. Penelope tries to hurricane run a Paige, but he catches her, and the ref tosses her out. She's out of here! Is that the first time she's ever been tossed out of a match? Because she interferes in almost every single match with Sabian especially in the tag team matches. And I don't think she's been caught once. This might be a first. I don't know if she's ever been uh, tossed out of the ring before, but I, I do think that back at the back at the uh, hotel there, Chris Sabian's going to give her a tossing later. <laughs> Havoc hits uh, Hangman and Omega with a ring wrench, which somehow uh, goes, behind, goes on behind the referee's back. The heels take control after this, and Hangman fires up. With his true grit, as Jim Ross says. Hot tag to Kenny Omega. Quicker than a hiccup. Sabian with a stomp from the top and Omega on Omega. And Havoc hits his awesome DDT. But Adam Page saves him. Uh, it looks like the turmoil and the problems are, are, have been sorted out. At least temporarily. As this match was wrestled without any of that uh, storyline. Which is unfortunate, I want to say. Because that was my favorite thing Coming into no, the that's era. that. No, that's part. That's part of it. You had you had this the the stampede match where he was still going into it with like you sons of bitches, but because they were victorious, great match by the way, or spectacle, whatever it was. Um, that that smooths it over. So now we're getting that sort of like, is this the eye of the hurricane? You know. Wait, Mr. Zang says our Zoom is frozen. I gotta I gotta do something. What what's the problem? I freak. New technology here we're using, so. Is that better? Are, are, we, are we all right now? Well, that looks good. You talk, Justin. I am talking. Hey, it looks all right. All right. Let us know if it, that uh, freezes up again. Okay, so um, we should also be seeing the chat here in the... Uh, you know what? Forget about it. We'll fix that later. Some other time. So what? Sorry, what were you saying? I was saying that this is the eye of the storm, the eye of the hurricane. You know, yeah. it seems like everything's calm right now, but don't worry, we got time. I mean, they need to be on the same page to defend these belts that they haven't defended since what? Revolution? That's well, two paper. That's the two same pay Page, you clever monkey. <laughs> because his name's Adam Page. <laughs> Uh, I'll take a I'll take a sip for that. They hit the last call, which is the tandem V trigger and buckshot. What a move! The champions win, and it seems that all problems with Kenny and Hangman Page are sorted for now. FTR looks on as uh, the champions leave with their titles. Twenty minute match, fantastic opener. What 
Do you think? And, um, and I only counted two fuck ups with the not following the tag rules. Only two this time. Uh, what were they? Do you remember? Yes. One. What the first one was? Um, Jimmy Havoc was not the legal man, but he's just. And in fact, I think this could be. I think this could be it right here. They were watching it. Um, no, this is not it. All right, so he's just in the ring for a long time, and the referee's not even giving him like a one count, much less counting him out to ten and disqualifying his ass. Um, but I, I let it go because there was a lot of shenanigans going on during that time, so it didn't look too bad. <clears throat> and uh, the second one was there was a there was a lot of hot ta- not even hot tags, but just a lot of tags in this match if you remember. But there was one that was not called. And then they tagged back out. So it was basically a, a tag that was allowed, but nothing happened. Okay. And it didn't matter. And it did, yeah, it didn't matter anyway because they were tagging in and out so much that I was like, okay, I guess I could give that a mulligan because they, they, he was in for like one or two moves and then tagged back out, even though he didn't really tag in. Speaking of Mulligan, Big John Stud will be taking on Mulligan, Blackjack Mulligan, next week at the Providence Civic Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, wait, geez, that's the wrong show. That's that's the... Oh, never mind. Never mind. We need a time machine. Yeah, we need a time machine. All right. After this match, we get a interesting clip of Tully Blanchard chewing out his uh, protege, Sean Spears, about what does he want? Does he want his legacies? Does he want the world titles? Something to give his uh, kids to talk about while the titles are hanging on their wall back home? Well, that'd be. this was a, a pretty great promo. This was last week. Today, he presents Spears with a gift, which is his own wife's head in a box. Oh, no, that was the movie Seven. Oh, it's a glove. It fits. So I guess he doesn't have to acquit. Is this going to be some kind of loaded glove angle? What is this? He give him, him a glove. So well, if he gets another one, then he can enter the Tour de France. That's the uh, that's the um, the glove used by uh, Blackjack Mulligan and uh, Barry Windham, who was a member of the Horsemen, like Tully Blanchard. So every time you get that black that single black glove, you become a force in professional wrestling. I think you. I mean, Sean Spears is Canadian. I think you can only wear these things if you're from Texas. Oh uh, well, I think it's just because they're connect- It's a connection to the Horsemen. You know, you got. Uh, uh, Barry Windham, who did it, and I'm sure there were some other guys that did Ted it too. Ted DiBiase that yes. wore that that single. Ted DiBiase, yeah, that's right. He had the. Is he was he originally from Texas before he became the Million Dollar Man? He was in uh, when he, well, what we're going to get to on the uh, territory show was in um, mid south yes. with the yes in that state. What were they called? The Rat Pack, or him and uh, Matt Bourne and Jim Duggan as heels of all of all people. I can't wait. To I don't remember, that. but I can't wait to see that though. Okay, so he's got uh, he's got a glove, and I glo- the glove means legacy. So we're gonna see. Uh, so Sean Spears has kind of been floundering. I know not everybody can be uh, a winner, you know, but not everybody can be. Not everybody can win every week, but Sean Spears' record is is what it's like. It's like uh, eight and nine, or, or like seven and eight, or something this well, year. Well, I made the comment a few episodes ago that I, like I'm sick of him. He is funny, but I'm sick of him being funny. I just want to see that serious. Sean Spears that just comes in and takes care of business. Like when he was um, toying with that jobber, but then when he hit him with the sharpshooter, he had that like psychotic look. Just be that psychotic, yeah, be that angry psychotic guy all the time. Um, So yeah, he was was riding such a hot wave when he busted 
like happy accident busting Cody Rhodes' head open right. and getting the chair in. But like, I don't know, he's been floundering since then. And even pair him up with Tully Blanchard and he's got a losing record still. I mean, it's like 50-50, huh? but this guy seems to... I don't remember... I've I maybe seen him win twice because he seems to win all his matches on... Uh, what's the other one? Dark? I mean, but does it count if it's dark? No, because, not really. I mean, yeah. Not I guess really. it does count because it goes with with their record. Yes, it counts but in, in terms of in the canon. It counts, but like ninety percent of the people not a who big watch win. Dynamite probably aren't watching Dark. So, and it's and it's obviously not going to be a big win. It's not. I don't think it's not only about wins. It's also about who did you get the W against? And if it's he on needs Dark, a big pay per view win. Yes. Well, they gave him the glove, so I guess we can we, we can only go up from here. Next, we got Brian Cage with Taz versus Jobber. Uh, Brian Cage's drill claw, which is a pretty cool move, ends this very quick. Taz gets on the mic, pulls the curtain back, talking about how uh, Moxley was snickering and giggling when Taz said Cage was going to kick the shit out of him. Well, Taz is going to have to get his head... Uh, Moxley's going to have to get his head on right or it's going to get taken off. Taz lends his catchphrase to Brian Cage, the, uh, Beat him if you can! Survive if he lets you! It just doesn't fit. I just, I guess, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, and it's also, like, there's just zero chance that this guy wins. I'm surprised that this match is going to be on pay-per-view. It seems like it should be the opening match of the pay-per-view. Uh, I mean, it sometimes it's not so much about believing if the guy could beat the guy. You want to make sure that you put John Moxley up against, like, the best type of competition. So that way, that helps his legacy as champion, his reign, endure. It makes you say, oh, remember when you defend the title against this guy and defend the title against that guy? So not every match has to be this epic, built-up, like, oh, who, who's going to win type of scenario. I didn't think Brody Lee was going to win, but I'm happy that it was a Brody Lee storyline feud because we know they have history from back in WWE, Brody Lee comes in wicked hot because he's the uh, the exalted one. So I like this angle too. M double seven seven in the chat. He's got a splitting head ink. I, I remember that battle royal once long ago where Kevin Nash eliminated everybody else in the ring because he was the biggest guy. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the thing about uh, thing about Brody Lee is that I mean there there was a part of me that believed that he could he could win the match. And uh, either way, the storyline like the story of both of these guys was gonna be driven forward by it. It's surprising to me that Brian Cage, a guy you've never seen before, is going to go to pay-per-view. I mean, I guess it's like, it's interesting in that anything can, anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation way, but, like, is, there's zero chance that this guy's going to win, so... What's well, gonna, let's do it like... Just gonna get let's beat. do it like this. Let's say if it's not Brian Cage that wins that chip, who's, who could have won it and presented a better scenario for John Moxley right now? I would have maybe Cage. went with... So if you were going to do... There aren't too many guys in there that could have uh, competed for the world title, so you don't want to pull the trigger on MJF so soon. Um, so, like, you could have seen maybe Jungle Boy Jack Perry. That would have been a more interesting, this guy can't win, but, like, he's going to train, he's going to try his hardest, like like we just saw with Cody Rhodes. And perhaps Orange Cassidy could pull the trigger with that and uh, get something fun if that's what it was going to be. But, like, this is just, like, if this match happened on AEW Dark, I probably wouldn't even watch it. That's that's the, you gotta have the measuring stick of what you want to get on your pay per view for that. Would you pay to see this match? It's a pay per view. I mean, I I don't I I almost you almost had me at Orange Cassidy because he's kind of like that unique scenario. But then it's like crap. How do we build him for 
four weeks when Orange Cassidy doesn't really. You don't need do to build it. So that's the thing. It, it's like a it's a sideshow. It's a spectacle, just like this versus Brian Cage. But that seems like a lot more fun to me than this. Hey, the world title ain't no fucking sideshow. That's a, I have to disagree. But he well, you, I mean, he's fighting a jobber for it. I'm mean, not a jobber. I want to say a jobber. But as soon as Brian Cage, as soon as this match ends and Brian Cage loses, you can't do another fuck finish like you did with Brody Lee. So Moxley's got to pin him. As soon as the match ends and Brian Cage, Cage loses, then what do you do with Brian Cage after that? There's nowhere to go but down. If you start somebody, he feuds with he feuds for the TNT again. title. Nothing wrong with that. Going for the TNT title. Look at Cody. Cody had the shot at Jericho first, lost. <laughs> He's been one of the best things on Dynamite on a week-to-week basis. That's and now Cody he's Rhodes. Got a belt. You're talking about an established main eventer. I'm talking about a guy who I've only seen one time before this title. You match. don't think Brian Cage can go into the secondary the secondary title picture and wreak havoc? Not, not with, no. Not with Lance Archer over there. Not really. I think he could. Well, let's... We'll have to we'll have to put that we'll, let's put a pin in that and come back to it. Here's Moxley. Moxley is happy because he wants to wrestle someone with such intensity. He says it'll take Cage all night long if he wants to beat him. And uh, my only note is this is hard to buy. This is hard to buy as a as a world title match. Darby versus Moxley would have been great. We got from the chat saying, uh, "Yeah, Darby, Allen should have won it. Uh, that would have been interesting." Uh, there, there's a guy that even in a loss, you you could have had. A top angle coming out of it. All right, like even in a loss, it would have looked great for Brian Cage. A loss. What does that do? You're, 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 you know, you, you can't. You, oh, you can beat a jobber with a drill club, but you get a world title match and you get your ass kicked. I don't know. We'll see. Let, we'll talk about something else. Next up, Alex Marvez catches up with Lance Archer. How the hell did he get wherever it is that they are right now in some old junkyard? I wonder if they hired the same company that drove Randy Orton over to the House of Horrors to drive him out to where Jake and uh, Brian Cage are do whatever they do. I was trying to figure out they like in like a like a something that's going to be built into a parking lot for the stadium or something. I was like, where the hell are they? Give this guy the title shot. That's right. Uh, Lance Archer says one loss doesn't really affect him. Everybody dies, and then Jake apologizes for Lance Archer's rude and crude behavior. Do you think Jake is losing control of Lance Archer? It, eventually, that that will uh, happen, and it'll be great. But uh, for now, let's to to turn to turn Jake face right, and now he does his he does the same gimmick, but he's now a baby face. Let's uh, not let's not rush person. things. Let's not rush things. I want I wanted to see Jake the Snake uh, with Lance. Well, it's not rushing. It's a, it's a legitimate question because the whole time we've seen Jake, he's been. Egging Lance Archer on to fuck people up. He went to a goddamn backyard pulping and watched him demolish like 12 guys, throwing dudes on top of cars. And all of a sudden now he's like, I'm sorry about this. Like, what, 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 why? Yes, Jake, the most evil guy in, uh, in professional wrestling, apologizing. It just makes Lance Archer look even, uh, even more of an uncontrollable beast, like you say, but I, I certainly hope that they don't pull, uh, pull them apart because they're the, my, they're my favorite pairing on NXT. And I just so happy to see the snake. Private party and, uh, old Matt Hardy in the back. Matt Hardy says they are the future of the tag team division. If there's anything that he can do to help them. And the private party says, let's have a Hardy party. 
Then he runs into uh, Sammy Guevara in the backstage where he uh, gives him a little, hey, thumbs up, respect. Yeah, I, I, I kicked your ass, but you were great. I wonder if the different versions of Matt Hardy have like, like meaning like only Damascus hates inner, the inner circle, whereas to uh, Team Extreme Matt Hardy, he's just, you know, chill. Handicap match. How about this? Uh, OM777 in the chat says we have Lance Archer versus uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and his old tag team partner from 1994, Jack Daniels. <laughs> Who better than Canyon? Everybody! I got ya! I got ya! Because what I said is who's not better than Canyon? Now, next up, we have Colt Cabana versus Chris Jericho. It is... This is awesome to see uh, Jericho just interacting with a bit of the mid-card. Always great to see the guy working any position. Chris blames Colt Cabana for getting in the way with Iron Mike Tyson. Uh, so he wants to get uh, to get his hands on him in the ring. We have Jericho coming out with uh, Sammy Guevara singing along to his entrance theme, which is absolutely great. Great wrestler. And we... Ex and we I have... And I will drag you down and down. What a lovely singing voice this guy's got. Very inspiring. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Justin? The, fir the first time I heard him sing that song when this whole uh, pandemic show started, I thought he was really trying, but he just sucked. Now I'm convinced, at least this time around, he knows he's bad, and he's just, he's just egging it on. You'd think that this would piss Chris Jericho off, that he doesn't know the words to his song. I mean, they're best friends. No, that's the best thing about it, is that because... Like, because they're best friends, he's like, yes, he's got, like, a voice of an angel. <laughs> and it really works. He doesn't know the words. We buy that. If you can, can you buy a Fozzie album? I mean, can you go to the... I guess you can download it on iTunes or whatever. I'm too old. I yeah, Spotify or something. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the funniest thing ever, him just completely destroying that song. But I think it's actually a good idea because um, if you just do the whole let's actually sing it, sing it every single time, it gets old, and then you don't want to do it ever again. But Sammy kind of adding some comedic relief to it, like he's not taking it seriously, it kind of makes it still cool to sing along with the song, for real, if that makes any sense. Pesto of Friendship Part 2, perhaps, yes. Uh, he's a good athlete, Tony Schiavone quips, but his singing sucks. Oh, that's not very nice, Tony. This is the first time that they've ever fought, which gets a mention from JR, just a mention. No use, no need to throw around the word history as they do so often in WWE. History, like WrestleMania moments, make themselves. They are not handed out to people by Michael fucking Cole. And this match was actually one of my favorite matches of the week. I really enjoyed it. This is a nice old school style type of match. Agreed. Hager takes a shot at Colt Cabana, smashing him into the turnbuckle on the outside. Earning his keep for the night, JR says. Cabana with some Dusty Rhodes flip-flop and fly elbow. But Cody Rhodes does that too. So uh, what happened to the old adage that uh, only, one, only one worker on each show should do a particular move? Like if you're going to do a 450 splash, then the other guy should do something else. I guess it does depend on the type of move, but so many moves are considered like as uh, mundane as just a, a European uppercut. <laughs> that it's like, go ahead, have at it. Uh, flying apple, acai, and then middle rope. Acai moonsault, though, wow. 
Colt with a flying apple and a middle rope splash. Gets a two. That's as close as he's going to get. Cabana escapes the lion tamer. Hits a head scissor. Big clothesline. And then a top rope Frankensteiner for two and a half. Holy smokes. But that's as close as he's going to get. Colt bounces off the ropes and gets caught with the Judas effect. Whoop-pow! Jericho wins. Uh, classic heel working from behind for the entire match. Catching Colt off guard with just one move and pinning him so everybody in the match looks great. Great stuff. Jericho gets on the mic and calls out Iron Mike Tyson. Is this match actually going to happen? I guess so. I, I guess they're going to plan it for Fighter Fist or Fight for the Fall. There's going to be some sort of a schmoz match between these two. I mean, they got to do it now, right? I would love to see it. I would, I would love to see it. If they got to do it. They Mike, built it up. If Mike, uh, you know, Mike kept himself in such great shape that it's still, I mean... It's still it's still interesting to see. So he he still looks great at 55. So put him in the ring. Although it would have been better if he if he did get in the ring with uh, Vince McMahon back in the day, WrestleMania 14. I am wondering what kind of a match it is because obviously Tyson has no ring experience for re professional wrestling. So what could they really do? I don't know. Tyson gets so excited and wound up during promos that he can barely hold himself together without like and giggling and stuff. Right. So there's no so fucking way that this donkle brain can work his way through a, a professional wrestling match, even with Chris Jericho, which is a testament to the Hollywood Hulkster who got Jay fucking Leno through a wrestling match. <laughs> That's right. Got Jay Leno doing it, Dennis Rodman, the mailman, Carmel. Jericho's uh, calling out Tyson, but who should answer? Well, it ain't Iron Mike. It is freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, the baddest man on the planet. Jim Ross calls him freshly squeezed and homogenized. It's time to learn something, uh, Rassel Chat crew. Homogenization is the process that makes it so that the cream and the milk cannot separate and milks the, makes the milk more aesthetically pleasing and leaves it without chunks and globules of cream. Um... Uh, which would happen if there was no homogenization, there would just be big chunks of cream floating around in your milk. So guess what, Jim Ross? There is no homogenization in orange juice, you fucking moron. How is there homogenization in uh, peanut butter, then? I don't What am I, a fucking English professor or something? Well, leave me alone. You, Hager looks you absolutely... Up, you just brought up the definition of homogenization. <laughs> Yeah, you're I a, figured that would have crossed. You're a I figured that would have crossed your mind. <laughs> hey, you take out the genization of, of homogenization, and you got exactly what I think about smoking J.T. Smitty. Hager looks absolutely dumbfounded, and they attack Orange Cassidy, but he eludes them both, diving out of the ring where he is saved by his best friends, Chucky Taylor, and the other guy. They bring him over to rail. Santana, Santana and Ortiz come out. This was a strange segment, but if Jericho and Cassidy is in the cards. I'm pretty excited about that prospect. No, I loved it. I loved it. Orange Cassie does what he does best. He comes out and he just sort of, he antagonizes without even really doing much. And he knew what he would do would get un, uh, under Jericho's skin. Inner Circle retaliated just as they should. Well, why would you want Orange to do Cassie that? Because Orange Cassie doesn't give a fuck. He's, or, he's OC, baby. He's homogenized. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Zing, <clears throat> he, he says that since peanut butter has butter and it is a dairy product, it is homogenized. The butter is what is homogenized. Ah, there we go. It's, but peanut butter is just peanuts crushed up, isn't it? There's no actual butter in it. 
I, I, I have no idea, but I, I was just wondering. I was like, what is it? I'm confused. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we will skip AEW and NXT next week. I'll tell you what's not confusing. Week, and what we will we've do got, is we've got have Orange the... Cassidy facing Jericho next week, and it's going to be a great segment. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna switch podcasts. And we're just gonna talk about homogenization next week. So the history of homogenization, who invented <laughs> homogenization, the current state of homogenization technologies, uh, what we can expect in the future of homogenization. It's gonna be really exciting. So stick around. Uh, Nyla I can't Jack, wait till we get to Nyla Amish Nyla countries. Nyla Jax. Hey, what do you call a uh, a transgendered woman who breaks her nose for real? Nyla Rose or Nyla, Nyla Rose or Nia Jax. Nyla Rose comes out versus Big Snow. Well, we... <laughs> Britt Baker is watching on in her decked-out wheelchair, continuing to be the best heel in women's wrestling. Perhaps the best heel in women's wrestling since uh, Lanny Kai. Yeah, Britt Baker is definitely one of my favorite things about Dynamite. She's awesome, right? Uh, she's such a better worker than her, uh, her pipsqueak boyfriend, Adam Cole. And now she's got some added, uh, some added accoutrements. <laughs> Wait a minute, I forgot <laughs> with about the, Ro- epic the Rolls video Royce. Game, epic video game collection. So yes, he's, he's not one of my top 10 favorite wrestlers. Big Swole gets some hope spots in here with chop blocks, grounding Nyla Jax, and then kicking her in the head. Takes her down, but she spears uh, Big Swole, and then the Beast Bomb is reversed. Nyla counters the Dirty Dancing, whatever that is. So th- this always seems to happen. They're like, oh, she goes for the dirty dancing, and it's countered. Well, I've never seen the dirty dancing before, so I don't know what it is. I believe it's like a discus lariat. Oh, okay. You know who did a, a great uh, discus lariat? Is my favorite old wrestler, Discus Inferno. Ho, <laughs> ho! Oh, nothing. Okay, fine. Uh, Nyla counters the dirty dancing with a lowdown and builds some heat back up. Uh, pinning her, one, two, three. Big Swole tries to talk to Tony Schiavone after the match, but Britt Baker interrupts her with her Kawasaki-powered wheelchair. Big Swole gets a chair, but Rebel backs up the wheelchair, and the heels hit the road. Everybody gets a chance to be a part of the show here. Big Swole, having been in, in, on TV for two months, still gets pulled into this angle. Great stuff. Big Swole gets, like, MVP attire for the week. That the yellow Power Ranger, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, that's the greatest attire I've seen all year. But wait, she's not Chinese. How could she be the yellow Power Ranger? The second and third ones were black. Oh, right. That, not that that's race how, that's how I, I, that's, that's how day and age. That's why I like the Power Rangers season <laughs> one so much. It's easy, so easy to tell the race of the person under the costume because it matched the color that the costume that's what the world needs. It needs the original Power Rangers to sort all this racial tension out. <laughs> Tommy, Red Ranger. Hey, the first uh, wrestling event I ever went to, uh, no, not, maybe not ever, but I, I remember in Elliott Lake, Ontario, went to see uh, this crappy independent wrestling show, and two Power Rangers were on the card, and we got their autographs at the Elliott Lake Mall. So I got this picture of Billy Blue Ranger and Tommy Red Ranger, the Power Rangers. I can't remember who they fought. I was gonna say they wrestled. Yeah, they wrestled. Yeah, they were. It was just power. Did, it was did, the 90s. did they win? It was the nineties. Did they I win? Believe, I believe they. Who beats the Power Rangers? They did. They That's won. True. If it was they the won. Uh, they won a match, uh, but then after the match, uh, so they they were like, say they were fighting um, the Rockers, 
right? And then, but then after the match, Rita Repulsa just mashed the rockers together in some big robot, and then I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, back in the back, <laughs> Tony has some words with Darby Allen, who can't wrestle because he's got an injury. Life is one big joke, Darby says, but he'll get the last laugh. Less is more with Darby Allen. I agree. Uh, did he legit get injured though doing that? Skateboard spot at a double nothing, or is this a, a K phase? I'm not sure if it's legit or not, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yes, but I do face. agree I that less is more with him. Tony, now here is FTR. So Tony is giving a sit down interview. Very exciting with these guys uh, to see them here finally. What is FTR? They say a way of life. It's anything we want it to be. It's a lifestyle, but it so it doesn't mean anything. Basically, is what they're saying. Well, that's pretty stupid. What are they talking about? It's a lifestyle. It's anything we want it to be. It's a fashion statement. It's a lifestyle. It's a tag team. It's a Pokemon. It's a juice. Part of your complete breakfast. No, it means it's whatever you want it to mean, meaning you know what it means, but we can't say it. But they go through the tag team division and talk about all the teams they want to fight. They want to fight Omega and Paige, even though they're not a real team. They want to fight the best friends. They want to fight Private Party. They want to fight the Lucha Brothers. They want to fight Butcher and Blade. But they do not mention the Young Bucks, which Tony calls them out on. Uh, they don't. The, the FDR says they don't see it as a dream match. They hate the way the Young Bucks wrestle. They hate their accolades. And they hate Dave Meltzer comparing them to the Midnight Express. Why didn't they attack the Bucks, Tony says. They want zero doubt that they are the better team, so they left them alone. They don't want the Young Bucks being able to make the excuse that they were softened up before the match. Um, honestly, so I like this a lot, but I just want to say this again. Before AEW Tag Team Wrestling was dead, I, I think. Like, honestly, just totally dead. It was the Usos in the New Day trading their titles back and forth uh, 500 times. And... AEW like revitalized the tag team division, but now with the the uh, the arrival of FTR, this is perhaps the best that any tag team division has been since 1989. It's nice when you can name more than like four tag teams, and you like just about all of them, if not all of them. I, I, the chat is on fire today, I gotta say. Tony drops the F-bomb, saying that he thought that the FTR meant fuck the revival. Butcher and the Blades show up. Well, how the hell did they get here, and where even is this place? Is this the same people that give the ride to Randy Orton to the House of Horrors match, and then take old Melvin out to see uh, Lance Archer and Jake the Snake, and now he's over here, bringing them wherever the hell they are? They look like they're in the, the lobby of a three-star hotel. But somehow they're in the, the, butcher and the, they're in the uh, lounge area of um, the Jacksonville Jaguars stadium. Oh, well, I'd love to. I'd love to do some lounging with Tony Schiavone, man. I bet you that guy loves to get drunk in the afternoon. Definitely, Jr. would join in. So Butcher and the Blades show up. They have a little scuffle, and this will be the FTR's debut match next week, uh, which is awesome. But while they're leaving, Dash Wilder says FTR out, which is super. Super lame. It's as lame as old Danny Sharametta. I wonder if he could have said top guys out, but I, I don't know if like WWE has a trademark on it, or is he just trying to switch it up? Don't know. We have Brody Lee. Because that's what, that's what they used to say, and I, I like that when they said top guys out. I like that. I think it's FTR out. Yeah. Well, FTR, I agree, but top okay. guys out was good. Brody Lee trying to recruit uh, Colt Cabana next to the Dark Order, um, which is interesting. 
which would be excellent because uh, Dark Order needs a, a kind of a bigger name like Cole Cabana. Um, since they're all pretty much unknown guys to the casual wrestling fan. Since Boom Boom won't go very far, but uh, you put him in a little dance with the Dark Order and we could get some interesting work from him. Never seen him work as a heel before. So Colt teases the possibility pretty well uh, and Excalibur mentions that, well, he didn't seem disinterested. Well, he hasn't hit, gotten a lot of big wins or big matches even, so I could definitely see uh, him working heel just under Brody. I'd, like, I'd rather see him, him be 10 than whoever is playing 10. Our main event is Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Cody Rhodes. Jack Perry will be 23 years old in two weeks, which causes JR to quip that Tony Schiavone's socks are 25 years old in two weeks. <laughs> Poor Tony. I thought it was funny. I don't know. They. Uh, I shouldn't two... talk. I, I think I might have some old socks, but not that old. Cody and Jungle Boy Jack Perry go right to the ground for some mat wrestling early on, and Cody hits an early and long figure four spot, which is interesting to see at the beginning of a match. They go outside, and Perry gets tossed into the gun club. Uh, Cody headbutts Perry once, and then goes to headbutt him again, but Perry ducks, and Cody headbutts the wall, getting busted open with a nasty blade job. Cody is uh, Perry gets into it with MJF at ringside, which is interesting because MJF absolutely hates both of these guys. Yeah, I thought that was a really good way to take the attention off of Cody while well, he did the, yeah, uh, the, old, the blade job. You know, that duel of the yeah, you knew, across the head there. He's like, he's like, I got this blonde hair for nothing. I'm getting, I'm getting juice, baby. Give him Cornette as a manager, instant heel. That would be Colt Cabana. Jim Cornette will never ever work in mainstream wrestling again, unfortunately. Well, I do have a very soft spot for Camp Cornette. That guy is a fucking lunatic. Um, he's definitely a riot to listen to and watch. Uh, and I don't disagree with everything he says. No, but I actually I find myself is, agreeing with... He's a bit off the rails. I find myself agreeing with a lot of what he says, but he's just like... He's, yeah. He's like, yeah, that, that Simpsons where, where Grandpa... It's like old man yells at Cloud. It's Grandpa Simpsons looking up at the sky going... Ah, 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 ah. That's Jim Cornette, man. He, he, he doesn't have a filter, and he needs one. Great reaction. Uh, middle... Uh, I'm lost here. In the ring, they trade. They go into high gear back in the ring after Cody is busted open, and they trade near falls. Uh, Jungle Boy on top blasts Cody, gets on top of him, and just blasts him in the head, busting, reopening up his wound, showing some viciousness as he tries to capture the TNT title. So that's where you want to see him take it to the next level, which is great. Middle rope delayed suplex by Cody is lovely. They both get back to the top rope, and they spill through the table on the outside. Yeah, I wish that setup of that table had been not during the commercial break because um, it kind of seemed a bit weird watching it back where you're like, wait a minute, how'd that table even get there? Um, I feel like they should have cut to a commercial break at a different time where it shows him setting up the table and then he gets thwarted and then they cut the commercial. Break, well, usually I, have, to... I get the show that, that, that just doesn't cut out during the commercials, but I didn't get this last week. Great reaction shot by Arn Anderson here as we go through the table. And then Arn Anderson waddles over. Crossroads in the middle of the ring to end an amazing match. Cody has some words with Jack Perry after the match as they are uh, after the pinfall there. So you can clearly Cody Rhodes is congratulating and thanking Jack Perry for an incredible match right here. Love to see this great wrestling moment. Um, 
no doubt telling him how great of a job he did tonight. This was awesome. And another great show from AEW, who puts on nothing but excellent wrestling shows from top to bottom. I have to agree. This was uh, the best match of the week and um, a great start to Cody's open challenge, which means week to week we're going to see, hopefully, epic matches just like this one. We're going to switch now to Mauro Ranello uh, uh, and NXT. Oh, boy. Okay. Here we go again. And then we're going to talk about the I wonder the big how show many show. quips you so took really, out this time. Th- this, uh, our, our, our scoring system shouldn't be, is NXT better than AEW? Because it never is. Our scoring system should be, is NXT better than the Big Show show? Or which one is worse? <laughs> Uh, we that actually up, might be a, a more fair fight, yeah. We open up with Candice LeRae versus Mia Yim, continuing from their storyline last week, um, where Mauro Ranello says that Mia Yim is yimitless. Fuck me in the ass and pour me a glass of bleach so that I can drink it That's and a die. good pun! That's a good pun! That's not yimitless. a pun. That's not a, I'll go look up what a fucking pun means in the dictionary. That ain't a, pun. a pun is a play on words. Limitless yim. Because her last name is Yim. Here's a, play, here's a play on words. I'd like to play bocce ball on Mauro Ronello's windpipe. That'd be a play on words that I could really get behind and crush it. Ah, oh, bleach my eyes out and slice my ears off. It's Mauro Ronello again. Candice LeRae. So ding, ding. Candice LeRae hits a battering ram. Uh, Candice LeRae is battering Yim with forearms. A battering ram. Wake me up. The Bushwhackers are in NXT. Three tent sentons on Mia Yim gets a two count. They spill to the outside, and they get counted out in three minutes. Is this a joke? And this is, you know, the whole people coming out and interfering, too. This is like a trend. This is this very bad trend. NXT. You, can't have, you can't have anything nice. Uh, yeah. There is a ho- absolutely hilarious uh, WCW 1991 electrified cage moment here where an absolutely fucking atrocious head scissors breaks the titantron we'll have a look there the tron oh my god she's taking out the tron oh that's embarrassing that's as embarrassing as robocop uh those things are very brittle they're brittle yeah i guess they are they're fragile mine's fine (laughs) they all have to pretend that she broke the titantron Oh, fucking awful. A bunch of women run out, and it's Yondemonium. Gargano comes out, and Lee runs him off. And, oh boy, call Teddy Long, because now we got a tag team match, playa. Mia Yim. Okay, so now well, let's fast forward and get us back into the ring. Ding, Wait, ding. before you fast forward, I got one question about this little, this little sh- sh- scuffle M-77 going on. Right in the chat. Yikes. That was brutal. Hit the fucking nail on how, the head. Unlike Mia Yim and how, Candice LeRae. How is it that all these people file out and, and they're all fighting and then they just disappear like, okay, nothing happened. Yeah, like, where do they what, go? What's going Yeah, exactly. What's going on in the back in the back room? Are they still fighting or are they cool? I think they have uh, they have Papa Shango in the back and he casts like a teleportation spell and just transports them back into their individual spaces. Right back into your You go over there room. now. 
Oh, the bell rings on our tag team match now, and Gargano comes, oh yeah, 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 is kicking LeRae's ass now, big kick in the corner, and then face washing her with her boot, as you can see right there, which is pretty brutal. Yim hits a lovely dragon suplex with a bridge, but Johnny Gargano breaks it up. Keith Lee comes in and hits a big hip toss on Gargano, and he goes for a powerbomb, but Gargano rakes him in the eyes with a set of car keys. That's brutal. But even more brutal than that move is Mauro Ronello's quip, that may be the key to victory. Holy fuck. <laughs> fuck me. I'd rather get raped in prison than listen to any more Mauro Ronello. Uh, he's, he is just the worst. He's two for two tonight. Yimitless. <laughs> and Jeffrey Epstein gets murdered. And Jeffrey Epstein's the one that gets murdered. And Mauro Ronello's allowed to live. I wish... Oh, 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 man. He makes me so angry. So anyway, that's the end of the match, I guess. Uh, oh, no, wait. Uh, <laughs> the heels actually win. So while all this key thing is going on, uh, Kenneth Larray runs in and rolls up Mia Yim. That's how it ends. That's right. He won in street clothes, baby. Didn't even need his wrestling attire. That's Johnny street clothes for you. <laughs> and I beat him in my street clothes. Chiampa with a pre-recorded promo talking about Killian Dane and how they're special or whatever. What a waste of Tommaso Chiampa. This whole gimmick is based around which guy, or this whole angle is based around which guy is more special. They keep, <laughs> they keep using the word, I'm special. No, you're, I'm special. I'm the special one. No, I'm the most special. What? You're, you're fucking adults, it's, guys. You are adults. It's weird that Ciampa had to move on from his Gargano feud as the babyface and not the heel. It's very weird to me. Here's Dexter Loomis and some blonde bimbo is asking him about the Velveteen Dream versus Adam Cole. Rightly, he walks away because what a dumb fucking question to ask Dexter Loomis about two people who have nothing to do with him. He comes back with a... Uh, an, with easel. an easel and some markers... And then they cut away. I don't have any idea what's going on here. He's he's drawing. That's an easel. He's drawing something. It's uh, as you can see. Prime Target is, in your house. NXT Prime Target is up next. Hey, do you know what the Prime Target is for Velveteen Dream? A Grade Six schoolyard. <laughs> hey <-o! laughs> uh. Uh, what is this? It I says Prime I Target up next, and, and then uh, nothing, nothing happens. What? I guess the Prime Target is just supposed to be the the video. Prime uh, Target the, the, is the name the, the of package, the, the video. video? Anyway, uh, so Prime Target. Somehow, the idiot who was just talking uh, to Dexter Loomis is also now at the zoo with Drake Maverick. How about a little continuity? Drake Maverick is going to eat some cookies and have a Coke because he's a little kid. He, when, when they announced his weight in the main event, I could have swore they said 140 pounds. I nearly lost my shit. I was like, he only weighs 140? Did I hear that right? Uh, sick of this guy is how I'm feeling about uh, Drake Maverick. But more from him to come. Prime target with my new favorite wrestler, Adam Cole. Undefeated era pick up Adam Cole in a limousine to celebrate his one-year anniversary. I suppose they're maybe going to go to the zoo and have a nice afternoon with old Drake Maverick. Here's the Velveteen Dream, whose prime target is in 10th grade. <laughs> I knew I wrote that joke. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, Velveteen
Velveteen Dream says a beautiful NXT is the Dreams NXT. Now, I gotta say, the Velveteen Dream has awesome gear, a fantastic entrance, and a great moveset, but as a promo, I have to say, this guy needs a lot of work. He used to give great promos before the uh, the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe he needs an audience or something. It's been lacking over the last few. Or maybe he's got other things on his mind right now. <laughs> Man, the chat is on fire today. I love you guys. All right. Undisputed Era have some champagne to celebrate. And the dream talks into a mirror. And Prince responds from the dead. Have pretty good stuff here. Why did they like? I I never. I thought they were only alluding that he was supposed to be Prince. I didn't think they would actually flat out get a Prince impersonator to show up as the the reflection in the mirror. I didn't like it. Hey, quit your whining. Is that's what it's like? This is what it's like when Dubs whine. It's Swerve Scott next versus Tony Nice. So the tournament is over. Uh, these guys are out of the tournament, so here's just a match between them. A great match. That goes to the mat with a nice exchange of slaps and strikes. A niece with a guillotine. They go to the outside and Swerve tosses niece into the steps. Back in the ring, Swerve Scott goes to the top. But gentleman Jack Gallagher comes out to ruin another match. I wonder if we're going to have any match without people just sauntering up in the middle of the match for no reason at all. Why would and he didn't Gallagher? even and he didn't even do anything. He was there to fuck up Swerve and. Swerve still wins the match. I don't get it. You can't. They can't. They just can't book anybody strong. There's all. It's uh, in the 50-50 booking. I do era, there's always got to be um, some reason that somebody lost. It can't ever just be because you lost a wrestling match. Something's got to happen. I give Swerve. I give Swerve <laughs> one piece of credit for this uh, match. He. You know how NXT is all about, or WWE in general, all they care about are these entrances, these epic entrances. Oh, do your choreography and come out to your nice entrance and your nice music. But Swerve Scott actually had an angle here because he's pissed that Tony Nese got him screwed out of that Cruiserweight title two weeks ago. So when he comes out, he's like, fuck my usual Swerve entrance. He just comes out looking angry, disgruntled, comes in and immediately gets to work. I liked it. Tony Nese takes the distraction from Gentleman Jack Gallagher, but gets rolled up anyway and Swerve Scott wins. So what the fuck was the point of any of that? I have, I, I guess Sir Swerve Scott is supposed to be in a feud with all three of these, uh, all both of these guys. Sure. What I, I look forward to the endless multi-man matches to decide the number one contender in this division. And they already had a good angle as it was. Tony Nese was pissed that Scott made fun of him for going zero and three, and so he screws him over from winning his match, so he's eliminated from the from the league tournament. You already got an angle. Why bring Gallagher into it? Next match is a triple threat tag team match. It's Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong versus Horby Gorblock and generic wrestler number three, uh, Orny Blorny, whatever his name is, versus what? Breezango. I miss these guys. My favorite team in NXT. A great entrance and a blowaway call by Renee Young where she says, somebody call Tom Pritchard because we're going to see some heavenly bodies. Awesome. I got to believe... That John Moxley fed her that line. Uh, Beth Phoenix or oh, Renee Young? Oh, it's not Renee Young. It's Beth Phoenix. I'm sorry. I got to believe maybe, maybe, that Edge maybe, fed maybe her Edge, that line. Maybe Edge fed her, fed her that because yeah. Edge is actually cool. Well, Beth Phoenix, she she has my vote ever since she did that awesome Royal Rumble. And she was great Come in on. that Rumble, huh? Fuck. That, 
she was definitely the MVP of that woman. If it wasn't for her, that run, that rumble would have uh, been so brutally. Uh, her uh, and Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss was kind of a, an iron woman in that match too. This is my favorite NXT team, Brizango. Morrow takes the easy way out, saying they'll take off. I I wonder if these two will take the next SpaceX flight. What a fucking loser. Even he can't ruin this awesome entrance, but it's close. I hate triple threats. Breeze and Fandango win somehow with a big kick by Breeze and a top rope leg drop by Fandango, beating the Undisputed Era. Uh, somehow, and I'd love to see it. Here comes Imperium, and then Toka and Razor come out with old Malcolm Bibich. So, yes, this is your entire division, and i got to say, AEW is miles ahead. That new tag team Jimmy with Jimmy. the manager... They, they, so they, something's not right. Do they need a manager? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They got. Uh, uh, he, the thing is, he, he never seems to have anything to say. So what's the point of, of having a manager that doesn't talk? He, he's got right. he, eyes and, and he's got big fake teeth. But but that's, yeah, yeah. See, I thought it, it seems out of place. I, I thought it should have been an MVP. That would have been pretty cool. I could see that. That would be nice. Anyway. Uh, I hate triple threats, so that's all I have to say about that. Here is yeah, our blonde, I, I like this, here's our blonde friend again. Threats. Boy, does she ever get around. She's back, backstage, back from the zoo in a different place and wearing a different outfit. What the fuck? Chelsea fires Robert Stone. Last week they were hanging out at their pool house. What is happening? See, he's, she's fi- he's fired? For what? Because now that she's hot and over... She doesn't need him anymore. This whole thing has been going on only for three weeks. She's won one match. Uh, yeah, but it was with it was with Charlotte Flair. They don't even have the patience. Io, they don't even have the and patience. And she beat Io Shirai. You gotta let Rhea this Ripley. stuff simmer. They they move everything at such lightning speed. They, these guys just debuted four weeks ago. And they so it was like the losing streak angle. Losing streak angle lasted for two weeks. Her big win came last week, and now he's fired. Everything happens in fast forward. Hey, you got time. Yeah, it did. You got time. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me. She had no reason to just say he's fired, in my opinion. Anyway, here comes Alia, who Stone is now courting. She's from Toronto. She gets beat by a moonsault backspring double flip caduzzi by Santana Garrett. Stone is out at ringside, but he couldn't help. This guy has been here long enough to be pulling this shit. Like, we don't even know who anything about him, anything about Chelsea Green. Why don't you slow down? And t- tell us these stories instead of just rushing through the motions. Already, and he's yet again, another girl. And yet again, another segment ends with someone coming out, but has no outcome on the, on the outcome of the match. He comes out, and she still loses. Fire Alia already, for fuck's sake! Frank Grimes versus Thick Boy Bronson is our next segment, and Grimes beats this dude in two minutes with a knee thing. So if a match doesn't end with uh, interference, then it... Oh, wait, am I... Did I skip something? If a match doesn't... Oh, yeah, that's just a video. You missed video, another video. prime If target. a match doesn't end with interference, <laughs> then it ends packing. in 30 seconds. That, that seems to be the, the uh, modus operandi here. Well, this guy, he's been away for a while, um, so it was nice to see him back, but... Uh, Cameron Grimes getting the win. It's kind of given him some momentum. He's got a win over Finn Balor, and now he's got a a win over what's his name? Big Thick over here. Thick boy. Frank Grimes sucks. 
How about Thick that? Bowl. Well, he's got to win over two. Well, I guess Thick Boy is somewhat of a name, but Finn Bow is a household name, too. Frank Grimes should not be beating a guy like Bronson or even fighting a guy like Finn Balor, but here we are. After the match, Karrion Cross hits the Doomsday Saito on Fatty Carbuncle to send a message to Ciampa. What does he say? He says, I'm special, into the camera. This whole feud is built around the word special, which is how I would describe the writing team and Mauro Ranello. Real special, guys. You guys are all real special. The main event is our cruiserweight title match. The uh, it is uh, El Hijo del Fantasma versus old whiny bitch Drake Maverick. Uh, the Dark Order shows up and Drake Maverick goes nuts on them, diving onto the outside to uh, thwart them off. Are these guys with Del Hampo Del Fantismo? I don't know, but it's pretty interesting. I think uh, they. I are. wish I didn't just I see this exact are. same gimmick in NXT in, in AEW though. I mean, I'll allow it. You know, you got these uh, masked luchadors running around causing mischief. And wouldn't it be awesome if this guy who's supposed to be a babyface turns out to be like, oh, I orchestrated it just so that way I could win this Cruiserweight title. That's the exact same angle that they were doing with Seth Rollins and those two guys. What are those guys' names? In? Do you remember? That's true. AOP, that's true. That's exactly no, 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 what, no. That's exactly the story no, that no, we no. just saw with, with Seth Rollins. S Seth Rollins, beat he for joined beat. them because everyone thought he he joined them because everyone thought he would join them, but he would. So it's like fuck y'all. Yes, I, li I like and I like the subtlety of the angle, which uh, also went nowhere and got buried. But this is exactly the same thing where it's like, oh, are these guys helping him because he asked them to, or are they just helping him for whatever? And so, seen it already on your on your other show on Monday night. Anyway, unless he just does it the old school, he says, "Yep, it was me all along. I'm the I, I did it so I could win the title." I'm okay with that. Drake Maverick comes back in the ring and catches a super kick, and a phantom driver pins Drake Maverick, and Phantasmo wins the belt, which causes, once again, Drake Maverick, who was trained by Ric Flair, to cry and cry and cry some more. While he is crying, Triple H comes out and hands him a contract. That's not the Triple H that I know. Triple H should have just hit him with a pedigree and sent him to the fucking airport with his bags. See you later. Do you think he deserved a contract? Uh, so, it, I guess so. I mean, you you got like when people there's not too often that you can incorporate real world into into wrestling like this. So, uh, sure. He did his job. He did his job, which is to get over. He he deserves a contract. Is he, he over? over? I mean, what the, the thing you gotta he, ask yourself is where's Drake Maverick gonna be in three months? Well, if they book him right, he could be uh, a high-profile wrestler who probably could have put on a good match against, um, not Kushida, yeah, Kushida um, for the Cruiserweight title. A high-profile wrestler in the NXT's Cruiserweight division? I mean, if you book it that way, you, what's you know? The, what's the maximum end game you can get with a guy like Drake Maverick as he captures the Cruiserweight title? It's interesting for now. Well, but you got to like, tell him, say, listen, get off that stupid crying bullshit. Stop screaming. Stop I was so being, sick oh, of this is going to be a happy This is a happy day. No, be the pissed off, angry guy who's mad. Like, you know, be that guy's like, yeah, I lost my fucking job. And, I'm, and even though I got it back, I'm still pissed that you got rid of me because I'm, I'm untapped potential. So go fuck yourselves. I thought, his Twitter, 
I thought his Twitter post was uh, le- like legitimate, legitimately emotional, and I thought it was charming the first week he came back, and I thought it was interesting that they were going to work that into the angle of him losing the tournament was that he was going to lose his job, but they tr- they doubled and tripled down on the crying. And, uh, like, by the end of the tournament, I just didn't want to see this guy anymore. Because every week it was, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is my job and my family and this is my dream. And then the next week, oh, my job and got to win this or they're going to kill me. And that makes me do it for my my kids. I haven't even been born, and I don't have enough money, and well, I'm gonna. No, and nobody believes in me, and then well, at that point, you're like, well, stop it. And that makes me wonder: was that like his idea, his call, or did are they saying no, no, really do that, really do that? Because I agree with you; it was too much by even week two, week three, and even right here, you can see it. Like, come on, like before it was genuine. Now you can tell he's playing it up. He's got to stop it immediately and get some kind of character that's not crying. About. Now he's got the contract, right? So I guess he's got nothing to cry about. So we'll see. It would be now. I, it would be really interesting to see him just come out and go full heel after, after this. Yeah, be pissed off that you got fired in the first place. Be pissed. I would be. Anyway, that's NXT. I'm going to give my point to AEW again, like I have so many times before, for an absolutely excellent show book from top to bottom. This NXT was serviceable. Um, I'm not interested in uh, Killian Dane versus Tommaso Ciampa, really. Um, I am interested in Keith Lee versus Gargano. You said Killian Dane. Killian Dane? Oh, sorry. I, I can't keep all their dumb fucking names straight. Killian Dane, Carrion Dane, Carrion Cross, Carrion Dane. Yeah, whatever. Right. It doesn't they, matter. Whatever. They all sound the same. They all look the same. So AEW again, um, even though I got to say... Uh, Brian Cage versus John Moxley. I think I'll be eating breakfast during that match. Why are you hating on Brian Cage, man? I just don't think it's exci- I just don't. I'm just not excited by it. That's all. Anyway, you got to score us. I, I'm gonna put. Um, I'm not right gonna try. I'm not gonna try and persuade you this week like I did last week. I give it to AEW. All right, so that brings it to AEW 19 and NXT 11 from Justin. AEW 26 to four, as we have now done. 30 weeks of WrestleChat at uh, NXT versus AEW. That's a lot. That's a lot of shows. But now we go for the penultimate episode of the Big Show Show Season 1. Unfortunately, I was unable to download the show again. So I only have the uh, the big ugly picture of the Big Show to... There we go. There is Big Show with his family. This one's the Big with Show. Big, this big, one's with Cassie. Family. This one's his daughter, JJ. This one's is uh, Mandy, and this one's Lola. So let's go as we enter Big Show Show, Episode 7. This episode begins with a commercial for Cassie. So she has a commercial for her new real estate company. She claims that she can sell any house, even if the house at one point had ghosts, or if the house was infested by raccoons, or if the Big Show, if somebody ever set off an explosion... And the interior of the house is ruined. Basically, she says, no matter what the problem with the house is, uh, she can sell it. Even if it's a, a dilapidated piece of shit. But who is this commercial for? I certainly wouldn't ever want to buy a house from this obviously lying scam artist. I mean, she must be really good at what she does. This is a commercial for somebody who's trying to sell you a house. And she's telling you that even if the house has flood damage, even if the house ha- is falling apart... 
If it's condemned, if it has rats, she can trick you into buying it. Well, she did sell that uh, that ghost house. That's that's successful. Remember, she's not she's not she's not working for someone to buy the house. She's working for people who want to sell their house. Cass asks her daughter, uh, Mandy, who is running for class president against her boyfriend, Taylor Swift. Cass asks if she should make a commercial for Mandy's campaign. But Mandy says no. They agreed that they would run a campaign without mudslinging, uh, without mudslinging or campaigning. Because it's a fucking high school campaign, and there is no mudslinging in high school campaigns. There... There's no teardown videos in a high school campaign. Uh, maybe you never went to high school, but uh, these people I tear each other down every, 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 fucking, every fucking day of the week that they're there. Lola's best friend Alex calls out of the blue. She drops in at the house. It turns out the big show flew her out. The girls run off together to make out on the roof. The Big Show shows up at Urkel's autograph signing at the gym and finds out that Urkel has been promoting that the Big Show will come to the gym and fight their customers. This was all JJ's idea. Big Show agrees to do it, but he won't fight Todd with a wooden leg. Zach Gowan must be rolling around in his grave. So the idea here is to promote uh, Urkel's gym that he will have the Big Show come in and wrestle people, and whoever can last uh, one round in the ring with the Big Show will get a year's membership to the gym. That'll never happen. The, we're in the wrestling ring, and ding, ding, the first guy trying to get his free gym membership calls him the Big Escrow, escrow because he'll be stuck in the same position for 30 days. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty funny joke, and it ties together... The two greatest things about this show, the big show and real estate jokes. <laughs> I wish this guy was the big show's family instead of their awfully unfunny family that he got stuck with. He tries to slam the big show. Who does he think he is? Tim Horner? <laughs> That's an inside big, joke. From my last it's not an inside joke if you listen to the Territory Talk podcast. The big escrow... Just put you in foreclosure, the Big Show says as he kicks he kicks this guy's ass and throws him out of the ring. Back at the high school, Principal Crowley has rescheduled the debate between Taylor and Mandy, which will allow the parents and the siblings to uh, show up and watch the debate. How convenient now that the Big Show's entire family and the cast of this show can now show up at the debate. They agree to have a healthy political discourse, do Taylor and Mandy. A very combustible situation as these... These two who just started fucking are running against each other for class president. What could happen? Hey, they want to stay together. They're trying to make it work. A strange intera interaction where JJ is bothering Lola and Alex and asks her to paint her face like a cat uh, when they are on the roof. Where is this going? Hopefully nowhere. We really got to get the video. We really got to get the video for this. Anyway, back at the gym, a terrible joke by Urkel about cleaning the gym with his dog whose name is Roomba. Oh my God! I miss family members. Uh, they should have called. I miss. I miss family matters. They should have called this show. Big Show's family don't matter at all. <laughs> They're the best characters on the show. <laughs> so Urkel, yeah, Urkel says, "Oh, uh, I don't clean the gym by myself. I have a dog." Uh, 
His name is Roomba. That's not a joke. And he, yes, a lot of the jokes fell flat on this episode. I'll, I'll say that, like that one about the dog being named Roomba, and he ties like Kleenex to the bottom of his paws and lets him walk around the gym on a leash. It was a nice try, but it, it wasn't very funny. Did he ever get to fuck Laura? Actually, they marry at the end of the series. Oh, he got it. Did she yeah. marry? Did she marry uh, Urkel or Urkel? He, she married Urkel. Apparently, he did wear her down. Big Cass shows up at the gym. Big Cass. <laughs> His wife, Cassie. Big Cass. Oh, fuck. Call That's what we should call her. Cassie yes. shows up at the gym, uh, and she says that somehow her awful commercial has been working. She's got a lot of customers. Uh, even more somehow, the Big Show knows all about the debate that's going to happen, even though he's been at the gym here all day when they got the news from the principal. But anyway, uh, back at home, Alex asks Lola to come... Oh, at the debate, Alex asks Lola to come back to high school uh, in in the other city. Where was she from? Chicago? Or is that... Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, gosh. I wouldn't want to go back there. Alex asks Lola to come back to the high school in Minnesota so that she can have her prom and they can have all their memories... Together, Lola agrees, but will quickly change her mind, of course. Why would she come all the way to Florida just to change her mind, I guess, at the end of the school year? I don't know. It's never made clear why she had to move away in the first place. She, she clearly still has a good uh, uh, relationship was, with her mother. So She was obviously talked into it by her father saying, listen, let me be the father I never was. Let's make up for lost time. And she's like, yeah, I love you guys. I love hanging out with you and Cass and my half-siblings. Let's do it. But she's just going to up and go without even talking to her family about it first? What the, what, what the fuck's wrong with her? Here is Where's the Bob political... Saget when you need him? Here is the political debate, which has been the background of the entire first season. So we're kind, finally coming to a close here as Mandy and her boyfriend Taylor Swift are competing for school president. When asked about what they will do for spirit days, Mandy says she will take everyone's picture zoomed out with a drone uh, so that everyone can be included in the picture. Ludicrously, the in principal asks Including Taylor, the janitor. Even the <laughs> that janitor, funny. that's right. Ludicrously... <laughs> I laughed at that one. Oh, uh, okay. Ludicrously, the principal asks Taylor Swift to give a rebuttal to this idea. I don't think he knows what the word rebuttal means, but this, it, this, is, an, uh, uh, this is a good idea. That, uh, like, you couldn't... Why would you want to rebut this idea? Maybe it, maybe it's not a bad idea. I mean, maybe it's not a good idea. Taylor wants to uh, start a fire on the front lawn that will burn into the yard so that they can remember that their class was there many years to come. The principal asks for a rebuttal for this. This one makes sense. The principal says that this is boring. Uh, so Mandy just agreed. <laughs> so Mandy and Taylor have, have, have agreed uh, to just agree to whatever the other one says so they can have a... Uh, uh, even if it's a terrible idea, even like if it's a terrible setting idea. fire. Because, so Mandy knows that uh, Taylor's idea is terrible, but he's given her the, the big dicking, so she can't really disagree because she wants to get plowed after the debate. The principal says, this is a boring debate. Uh, this is very boring, the principal says, in a very meta comment about this show. I mean, the big show's show, not our show. Even though this, uh, <laughs> it dawns on me now that this, that this is quite boring. 
I like this show. I didn't like this episode. Bitch Mom Cassie also says that this is boring. This is your daughter, you fucking animal. Why would you say that in front of the other kids and everything? Taylor Swift announces that his he just had an idea to replace the school salad bar with a candy bar. That's an awesome idea. What school would have a salad bar? Did your school have a salad bar? At my school, we could buy uh, we could buy hamburger and potato. And if you wanted a healthy choice, a fruit, it was called Jello. <laughs> you can't have all that candy though, because kids won't control themselves. Mandy disagrees with the candy idea, and Taylor Swift breaks up with her on the spot in front of everybody. What an asshole. I mean, he was a dick for also going against what they had arranged about, you know, here's my idea, here's your idea. And he just came up with another idea that's obviously stupid. This kid has, like, no common sense. He, if he had common sense, he would shut up and let his girlfriend make all of the decisions. Right, happy, well, not a wife, but you get the same. Happy JJ, wife, happy life, so you know? back at home, JJ paints her face up like the great Kabuki. Pretty cool. She's mad that Lola is moving away. She was going, uh, she was, she, she's just going away until the end of her prom, which was being planned. Uh, so it must be right around the corner because they were planning the prom, which makes me confused because this school uh, this school here is just deciding on its school president, so it, it implies that they're at the beginning of their semester. But prom happens at the end of the year, so why would they be planning a prom now? So I'm not too sure when this is supposed to be happening. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. I'm not sure, but if she doesn't matter. If she goes back, she's obviously not going to just fly back to Florida afterwards because you can't be flying back and forth, back and forth. That doesn't make any sense. In the living room, the Big Show has some WWE rejected merchandise, which are all terrible plays on the word The Big Show. Uh, I bet more Ronaldo wrote some of this segment. Just off. Oh, I have the same fucking note. This was just awful. So we'll skip it. The election was. So he has a light bulb. They were the funny! Big, he has a the light bulb that's called The, the Big, big Glow. glow. <laughs> uh, whatever. Election, Why don't you like funny jokes? The Big oh, Glow. Terrible. The election results are in, and Mandy won. Obviously, because Taylor Swift is basically an idiot. Who would vote for him? Uh, but now she's sad because she already went black and there's no way back. She lost her black boyfriend and now she'll have to date a white guy. <laughs> or no, but she'll become a cat lady. Cassie and Lola resolve their issues in about two seconds with zero drama at all. Uh, by reminding her how strong she was as a woman to move, move over here, and she should continue being strong because they're all women, and the women are so strong. The, the, and video, that's it. the video the video, was super touching. JJ made her an emotionally manipulative video, which is clearly the intent to manipulate her. She would be right back after prom, so why is this happening? JJ she's immediately not, turns... She's not coming back. She was going to just move back forever. So, so uh, JJ immediately turns into a bitch after this video, calling Lola Lola's friend stupid, and her old home stupid, and the city that she comes from stupid. JJ successfully manipulated Lola into not enjoying her prom in the place where she went to school for four years. What's more important, prom or family? In the grand scheme of things, family is more important. But wouldn't you rather go and have your prom at the high school with all your friends who you've known for basically your entire life? Like, I imagine that she's going to high school with people that she went to middle school with. 
She's got she's got new friends at the other high school. There's a lot of people that you don't see from high school after you graduate anyway. You're probably lucky if you see one or two of them ever again. For some but reason, we're, we're now forever. at a wrestling event. What exactly is happening? I don't know. Big Show is dressed as Harry Potter mixed with Oz as he is allowed to create his own ring gear. For some reason, he's having a wrestling match. I'm so confused right now. When did they agree? Because that he's into it. But before he wasn't, he's like, why did you get me into this, Steve Urkel? And oh. then when he finally got, he, you know, the bug bit him. And he's like, oh, I remember why. I love this so much. And he's having fun. And now yes, he's thinking about getting gets- back into wrestling. Big Show gets bit by the bug as this crowd of 20... So Big Show uh, hits a choke slam, which you knew was going to happen sometime in, in Season 1. He actually hits a choke slam on the show. Gets a 1-2-3, and the crowd of 20 people all want him to come back to WWE. And on the spot, he agrees in an awful display of selfishness in front of his family. This is typical of how everybody in this family behaves. So uh, what is the family so sad about? This is how they, this is how they all act all the time. A dramatic <coughs> cliffhanger ending event as the Big Show teases that he will return to life on the road, abandoning his wife and daughter, who just moved across the country to come and live with him, on the pretext that Big Show wanted to make up for lost time. This big fucking idiot, in three weeks that she's been home, just decides, ah, fuck him, we'll go back on the road. I did not like this episode for the same reason that I liked its ending. I like how they have it as a cliffhanger, so now the season finale is going to be like, what happens with his career, and his family life. Um, but yeah, this episode was not as strong as the other ones. Uh, this episode was just as weak as the other ones. Justin is totally right. This show is absolute tripe. But we are finally coming to the end, as next week is the season finale. I will try my hardest to get the video. As, as halfway through talking about this, I, I realize that if you haven't seen the show... It's almost impossible to follow along with what's going on without having some video in the background. So I'm going to try my best to get the video uh, for next week. But anyway, that's our show for today. We talked about AEW. We talked about NXT. We talked about that piece of shit Big Show show, which I still rank above NXT this week. So it goes AEW, Big Show show, NXT. That is the ranking for the week. Uh, You can join us. We're going to be putting our podcast on Territory Tales that's talking about this week, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, head-to-head against Mid-South Wrestling, December 12, 1981. Lots of exciting stuff going on there, so join us in our uh, our DeLorean as we go back to watch some old Territory Wrestling. And we, of course, will be live back here on Twitch next Thursday at 9 p.m. That is Thursday, 9 p.m. Thank you so much for our active chat room today. It was a lot of fun. Justin, leave him with some words of advice before we get out of here. If you are involved, just shut up and do what she says. Oh, crap. I think my wife heard me. Now she'll hold me to that. Oh, geez. He's got to go. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we will see you this next Thursday, 9 p.m. But from me, Justin, and the total package, Lex Luger, we are out of here.